impossible for me to hear this song and not think of what event Mark Dykedon in pop culture? David Letterman's last show. Correct. This closed David Letterman's last show. With a he and montage. I have something in common. Favorite song. What's that? I said he, David, David gotcha. Letterman, and I have. I thought you said it is a good song for oh, sure. Yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, nine o'clock hour here in Indianapolis. It's nine o'clock hour everywhere in the Eastern Time Zone. This is Kevin and Query. My name is Jake Query. Kevin Bowen, the other voice you hear, Mark Dykton, whose voice you just heard on 93.5107.5. The fan joining us now on the Payless Slickers guest line, which I think that he willingly does each week, although at times probably reluctantly, is Zach Kiefer, the noted writer from The Athletic, to discuss the Colts. Zach, oftentimes when we have you on, I will bring to you kind of the theme of the show that day and then get your opinion on it. I'll do it again here. I had said earlier today, I do think the Colts will play well on Sunday against the Chiefs, but with everything at stake considering where things have started and how big this game is based on just the overall cachet of the opponent, if they don't show up on Sunday, and I'm not saying they have to win, but if they come out flat on Sunday and sleepwalk, sleepwalk their way through, then my thought is if they don't do it on Sunday for Frank Reich, it's never going to happen then he has lost the team. That's what it means to me, that he has lost the team and that there's no coming back. Am I being too critical? No, I don't think you are. I think Jacksonville was that bad. It was that bad. And I think if they do that on Sunday in front of their home crowd, and remember, the home opener is very important to Jim Irsay. It's very important to Jim Irsay and how his team plays. And I think a lot of him and a lot of people around here thought, hey, we're going to be 2-0, and rolling into the week three home opener against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. If they come out and play like they did against Jacksonville on Sunday, and I was talking to Julian Blackman yesterday, and he said, look, if, we, if we're not ready, they're going to put up 50 on us. And he's right. They will get booed off their home field. And I, I think you're right, Jake. That, you know, that's, that's the telltale sign with the coach. Is, are these guys still playing for this guy? I think they're going to play well. I think they're going to play hard. I'm not predicting a win, but that's the problem. If it turns into they're not even playing, that's when you know this has shifted into something completely different. Zach, um, you were a man on a mission in the locker room yesterday, and I want to get into your latest article up on The Athletic here in just a second, but I want to begin with Frank Reich's press conference. I didn't get a chance to talk with you about this yesterday. I was talking to some of our other colleagues and even a few people within the Colts. I thought the words that Frank Reich said in yesterday's press conference were pretty similar. Not, you know, he didn't sound like Jim Mora by any means um, in changing his words. But I did think his body language and demeanor was a little un-Frank Reich-like. And for anyone that will will watch the press conference, you are not going to be blown away by it. But for Frank Reich's typically subdued nature, I felt like I listened to a guy that was talking a little louder a little quicker, a few more gestures, and maybe I'm being too therapist with it, but I just felt like his body language was a little bit different than he normally is, which is very subdued, particularly at those Wednesday pressers. I wrote that it was as impassioned as he's been, and, and that's you know that's maybe a stretch considering like he's not yelling into the microphone like you see with some coaches, and, and that's never going to be Frank's style. But he was as impassioned as he's been in several years. Yeah, same. I felt like he was defending his coaching approach, his coaching style, and his, his technique as a coach because all of that's come into question. All of that has been challenged in the last several weeks with the way they've played. And, 
the deficits they've been behind and the decisions they made and the play calls he made. And going back to Jake's original point, whether these guys are playing right now. But, um, yeah, my takeaway was they're feeling the heat. They're feeling the heat a little bit, and maybe they should. And then your latest, um, you did go around the locker room. You talked to a ton of guys, just the general vibe you got um, from whether it was Julian Blackman to Quentin Nelson to uh, whoever else you are able to talk talk with. Yeah, I basically threw out this question. What the hell is wrong? And some guys didn't love the question, but, you know, part of their job is to answer it. And two things really jumped out to me beyond just, like, the normal football effort BS, right? Like, let's move on from the cliches. One, the offensive line has been trash. This, this team's going nowhere until that unit starts to play well. I asked Quentin Nelson, he said, look, it's on us. We're not doing our job. Kelly hasn't been good. Nelson hasn't been good. Pryor's a liability at left tackle. I'm not telling the listeners anything they don't know. Danny Pinter's not playing well either. Braden Smith, I could just go on and on. But you have a 37-year-old quarterback who's not supposed to be able to move in the pocket. And this is removing the wide receiver problem, which I could go on for 10 minutes. But nothing this unit does. I mean, like JT, like he's he's a forgotten man if if the line doesn't block. So, I think everybody knows that nothing's going to happen on offense until the line starts to play like it should. And then moving to the defense, and this was a little surprising because I thought the defense had a good camp. Like, they really shut down the offense a lot of days. Like, that's what I saw in camp. There is a disconnect on this defense right now. They are not on the same page. They are not comfortable yet in Gus Bradley's scheme. And anybody out there watching the tape can see it. Like Julian Blackman said, on every play – 10 or 11, 10 of us are doing the right thing, but there's always one guy doing the wrong thing. It's not always the same guy, but you know, they're not winning up front with the front four and you got to do that. And they're, they're just missing their gaps in the back end. They're just, they're just not comfortable in this scheme yet. And, and that's a problem because of the quarterback that's coming in on Sunday. Zach answered this question uh, in multiple choice form. This year's Andre Johnson to the Colts is A, Yannick Ngakwe, B, Matt Ryan, C, neither. So far, it's A. Have you seen anything from Ngakwe? Yeah, I mean, it's been and, – and, and... I mean, it's two weeks. You've done this a long time, Jake. It's two weeks. We might be laughing at ourselves in a Correct. month. But that dude was – I mean, I don't want to break it down into this term, but, like, he's a mercenary. He was hired to come in here to do one thing, to go get the quarterback not doing it this defense isn't good enough to overcome a non-existent pass rush and 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 ryan was terrible on sunday too you know it's funny to me zach because and i'm going to pick on chris ballard i i I promise you this is not like some sort of uh you know i'm not trying to just constantly bag on the guy but when when the wide receiver or the the you know offensive options question came up to Chris Ballard so much, it was almost like he would always divert it back to, yeah, but we got to get pass rush. I got to get in the trenches. I got to get pass rush. So if you don't have any receivers out there, if you got weekend at Bernie's playing three guys alongside Michael Pittman, that's fine so long as the ends justified the means and you go, yeah, but you know what? We got the two best lines on both sides of the ball in the NFL that we're watching here. Yeah. But that's not the case, right? So it's like – Don't have it. Right. Where the hell is the pass rush considering they, they went out – literally and and that's all that they seemingly have stockpiled for two years am i am i like am i just out of my mind just am i the old guy yelling at clouds here <laughs> no you're you're speaking for a fan base that's frankly fed up 
right? I mean, how many times did I ask the, the wide receiver question in March, in April, in May after the draft, in August? Like, I, there's not a whole lot else I can do. I talked about it with JMV and enough to fill an entire show about the problems at wide receiver, but moving to the trenches, like you said, if you're going to be all about the trenches and, and then be all about the trench and get it right, because you're investing $42.2 million of your salary cap this season. That's the highest chunk of any offensive line in the NFL. And you're getting no return. I mean, they're, they're not good. They're beyond, they're below mediocre right now. And the defensive line, outside of Cordy Pay's two sacks, have done nothing, those two sacks late in Houston. So if you're going to be all about the lines, then be all about the lines. But this speaks to a bigger problem, Jake. When your best players, when your very best players are a left guard, a running back, and an off-ball linebacker, that's not the recipe that wins in today's league. And so when you have your best player being an offensive guard, that doesn't impact the game tangibly as much as a quarterback or a receiver. JT, as good as he is, is averaging 1.3 yards before contact. He's the best in the league at what he does. But if there's nowhere to go, it doesn't matter. Like, was JT a factor Sunday? He's the best player on the field and didn't really impact the game, and that's because of the position he plays. And then this is, this is nothing nobody doesn't know out there, but they need 53 back on defense in the worst way. They need him schematically – they need his fire. They need his takeaway ability. Like, I thought they would be fine against these two opponents without 53. I was completely wrong. They desperately need him back on the field Sunday. I'm not sold he's out there Sunday, Zach. Yeah, neither am I. We'll, we'll hear what he says today, but this is kind of weird how, how they talk like he's almost back and he's almost back and he's almost back. I go back and to that Ballard. Every Friday. I go back to that Ballard comment. Zach, I apologize for interrupting. That Ballard comment saying that when he came off the pup list, this is basically the first day of spring for him. You know, I, I thought at the time, okay, is that really what he means? I mean, the first day of spring, well, if that's the case, then he is going to need like four or five weeks of ramp up. And here we are. This is week four of him back to practice. How long can they wait? I, I mean, know. I like the pitch count idea, they, but they, they I, I don't know. They don't away. Yeah. You surprised we haven't heard from Ursa yet? No, he's keeping it close to the vest. I mean, he's obviously very, very frustrated. But, um, you know, and, and, and I'll say this. It's week two. Like, I was asked earlier in the week if this is a must win, and I laughed because it's not. Like, I don't think they're going to win. They're playing the Chiefs. But also, it's this is a team that I've covered that's been 1-5 and five and, and made the second round of the playoffs and 1-4 and four last year, and then we're on the doorstep of the playoffs and then crumbled. The one thing I will say, and, and my former colleague Stephen Holder mentioned this yesterday, it takes a lot to get back from that. Like, it takes a lot to get to 10 wins when you start 1-4 and four or 1-5. and five. And that emotional energy has caught up to them the last couple of years when they've done that. So, we'll see. But um, I think going back to the very first question Jake asked, all of this is going to be about how they look on Sunday. And every fan out there watching is going to be able to tell whether this team is playing or whether they're just lost and they're just not in this for Frank Reich. I think they're going to play hard. I really think they will, but I don't trust the defense. I don't trust the defense against this quarterback, and it could still get ugly even if they play hard. That's the problem right now. Zach Keeper's our guest. He's on the Payless Liggers guest line. He's with The Athletic. 
Zach, I've I've always been uncomfortable in situations, and you see this a lot in sports, where somebody gets elevated due to attrition, and so they kind of get taken outside of their role, or like you see it in television. The main anchor leaves, the weekend anchor fills in for three months, then they hire right. a new anchor, and they go, okay, well, you're out of here. And it's like, well, don't I go back to being the weekend anchor? That's what I was designed to do in the first place. Well, no, we don't have a spot for you. It, is Bobby Okereke, who – I'm not saying he's not a fine player, but to your point, he is not Shaquille Leonard. And he has filled in, and you can see that things drop off. Once Shaquille Leonard comes back, is does he kind of get wedged into an awkward spot at that point? I think he's the will. He's the will linebacker. Darius is – Shaq's going to come back, and he's going to be the Mike, which is going to be a little bit different, but pretty similar to the last position he played under Flus, where he was the will sort of the off-ball linebacker. They think him being around the ball at the mic will be better. But, you know, I, I I can't think of a single unit on the defense, a single level of the defense that's played well, and not to single Bobby Okereke out. But they just haven't – They just there's just these unquantifiable things that Shaq does that show up on tape, that don't show up on the stat sheet, that just change the game, that just change the tenor of the game. And, you know, Leonard's even told us that there's certain ball carriers or pass catchers that have told him that they've changed their routes or done something different when they know he's around. And that's the sort of unquantifiable thing. Like a quarterback, when he's throwing at Stephon Gilmore versus when he's throwing at Brandon Faison, is going to think different, right? It's the same thing with Leonard in the middle. And and we'll see. But I think Okereke stays at the will. I think Zaire Franklin's the one that comes off the field. But the interesting thing with the linebackers is how much they've had to play three this season. They've never done this the last four years. They've only played two, you know, a huge chunk of the time because they would get Kenny Moore on as the nickel corner. But they need three to stop the run. They need three, They need three, you know, to slow down the run because they haven't been able to do that as well. So um, there's just, there's just, this defense just isn't right right now. Zach's latest taking the pulse of the Colts locker room yesterday following that embarrassment Sunday in Jacksonville. Zach, as always, thank you, man. Thanks, guys.